Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. Our spooky topic for today is Ouija boards. Because for us, spooky season is never over. It is not. It is permanent home decor in my house. So I I think I do have a Ouija board of some kind in just about every room of my home. (laughs) As we started recording, I held up my mouse pad to Lindsay and I'm like, I forgot I owned this. It's just been on my desk. (laughs) It's just part of your natural environment. Yeah, I, I didn't realize I was doing it. It's a cool aesthetic, though, because it's got that like old timey kind of handwriting. And it's like kind of I feel like like a simple kind of gothic look, if you will. I, on the other hand, have no Ouija board stuff in my house, with the exception of one platter. And that couldn't be a Ouija board just because like the way that it's kind of angled, because my husband and I have a strict no Ouija board policy in our home. And that for the most part, that does include like stuff just because bad vibes from us. (laughs) A Ouija board is a type of talking board and the museum of talkingboards.com defines talking boards as they're a generic name for a message board with numbers, letters, and a movable message indicator. Most people know that as a planchette, the message indicator touched lightly by one or more persons slides or pivots along the surface of the board to spell out words. Hence the name, quote, talking boards. So it can be purchased in just like the board game section of most stores, right? So we downloaded the little insert that comes in the game, honestly looking for the rules of the game, right? And this one is the glow in the dark version, which apparently exists. I haven't seen this one yet. The setup is you could set the mood by dimming the lights or turning them off. And then you sit opposite another player. And that's pretty much it. It says if more than two are playing. However, I remember a lot different rules or I've read a a lot of different rules, right? Have you? Like this one says if playing with more. But from what I understand, you're not supposed to play it alone. And yeah, I've seen kind of a lot of like folk rules, if you will, that aren't like official part of the game. But there are rules that different people kind of work through when they play with, with a Ouija board. Right. I know that you're not supposed to play it alone. You're supposed to be with someone else just in case. You are not supposed to play it, I think, in like spooky places. Like you're allowed to play it at home, but I think you're not supposed to do it in a graveyard from what I've always known. Uh, You're not supposed to ask it, when will you die? And you're not supposed to burn it. This was a new one that I found. So I just kind of looked around for different rules that people have talked about. And one was never burn it. And the reason one site gives, it's Cult of Weird, says... A Ouija board is said to scream if you try to burn it. Anyone who hears the, the board scream will have 36 hours to live. Now, I haven't heard of that before, but I have heard you're not supposed to burn it because bad things are supposed to happen afterwards. That is so specific. <laughs> right? And then the one rule I do remember is always say goodbye. So it's not on the official rules of the game, which was kind of weird to me. I thought it would be. Depending on what you believe, this is possibly a way to communicate with entities that are not living humans. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that you can go into Target and buy this blows my mind a little bit. And the fact that like this was once as wholesome as apple pie, I love. Yes. Yes. It was just like a fun activity to do with your family, friends, and even dates. Ooh. Yeah. Because of that photo you brought up a couple episodes ago. Yeah. 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 We talked about it in our ghost episode, the Norman Rockwell painting where it's like two people sitting and they're playing a Ouija board. We'll put that up on our Instagram because it's a little more relevant to this episode. So we're going to start this a little different than we normally do. Normally, we kind of save our sciency and debunking stuff kind of till the end. But for Ouija, we wanted to start with that. Because I think that's a really interesting framework to kind of think about how it was invented and how people have used it and what it's done. So in the early 1900s, Sir William F. Barrett was an early researcher of the talking board type phenomenon. And he was a skeptic. He was convinced that this was just people subconsciously moving the planchette and that they they weren't communicating with a ghost or anything like that. 
The experiment that Barrett conducted was he got a group of folks who they regularly used a Ouija board and they regularly used it together. And so the first test he did, they were blindfolded. And then after they were blindfolded, he asked the board if he could flip the board around. And the board said, yes, it makes no difference. And he flips the board around and asks questions and the coherent responses are given by the board. He's surprised, but he's kind of like, okay, I know the people who are basically the participants of my study. And I am like 99% sure that they wouldn't lie about being able to see through their blindfolds. But just in case, I'm going to make, he made like, quote, opaque eye screens that he positioned over their eyes. And he took the screens and like he put them on himself and he was like, okay, I can't see. I don't think anybody's going to be able to see. Right, right. Does the same thing. And again, completely coherent messages are received. Ooh, interesting. So then in his third test, he's like, still not believing that this could work. So what he does is he changes the board. And so rather than it looking like a Ouija board, it was a glass pane. And underneath of it, he put, he had like paper cards that had each letter, goodbye, yes and no. And he would rearrange them in different orders so that it wasn't alphabetical and it wasn't in a way that the participants knew the order. So even if muscle memory was making them move the planchette, they wouldn't be able to spell things because they wouldn't know where the letters were. Oh. Additionally, a volunteer who was also a skeptic held an, an opaque fire screen between the participants and the boards. So not only could they not see through the opaque eye screens, theoretically, even if they could, there was now a screen in front of them. So they couldn't see through that either. And there were still coherent responses received. Interesting. So as I was researching, I was trying to look for video of some of these mm -hmm tests done, and I know those ones were done a while ago, but National Geographic did a very similar test in, it looks like it was published in 2015, and it's on their on their YouTube, so you can check it out. But they gathered a group of people, and they asked a bunch of questions, and one woman thought it was her grandfather coming through. Then he blindfolded them and asked, like, okay, what, what year did he die? Hoping it would still, you know, come through. And it was just blank spaces on the board once they were blindfolded. Huh. And the girl was like, you, when you look at her face afterwards, she's like puzzled. She's like, no, like he was here. But they were showing you might have been moving it without necessarily knowing you were doing so. So there's still tests being done now. And I love watching it. Here's my thing, too. If I was a ghost. OK, let's just start there. And I, somebody was conducting a Ouija experiment. I don't I don't know that I would want to be a part of that. Really? I'd be like, let's prove them wrong. That's not the vibe I would want. I don't know. Well, I mean, clearly, in my opinion, yeah, yeah, the yeah. ghost that was working against Sir William F. Barrett was like a little persnickety because he was like, yes, it makes no difference when he asked if he could flip the board around. So like there was like an attitude yeah. like, I'll show you. It kind of reminds me of Nellie that we talked about in the ghost episode, like how she would get offended if people didn't believe she existed. And just like as like, the briefest of recaps, Nellie was the first American haunting that was recorded in Maine. But so, so next there was a scientist named Samuel Guppy, and in his book titled Mary Jane or Spiritualism Chemically Explained, he talks about how he thinks that humans have gases that are excreted through their skin as an invisible vapor, and that it's basically electricity that comes through one's fingers, and that's what's making the planchette move, and that some folks have an excess of this gas and are able to be able to do more complicated forms of like spiritual communication, like automatic writing. That's a new one for me. Yeah, I have never heard of gassy fingers. I'm making like spirit fingers at Amanda because when I think of gassy fingers, that's what it makes me think of. But I was like, huh, that's an interesting theory. But I would say like, I would imagine that like there's a certain energy I feel like you would feel. So I could see like why he would think that. Interesting nonetheless. So also, Dorothy Lehman suggested that the Ouija board taps into the collective unconsciousness and that one could tap into that and they wouldn't necessarily know they were. But and if you're unfamiliar with the collective unconsciousness, the idea is, is that there's a place deep within all of our minds where we are all connected and all information about all times, people and places is there. If you just can like click into it, which cool, <laughs> terrifying exciting, mysterious. I love it. I hate it all at the same time. 
Another theory is the idea motor effect. And the definition of it is basically unconscious or involuntary bodily movements made in response to a thought or idea. So basically, when you're asked a question, are you moving it without thinking about it, right? There's been a lot of different reports, a lot of different experiments surrounding this. Some stem back to 1852 even. William Benjamin Carpenter published a report in the Royal Institution of Great Britain, and it examined the automatic muscular movements. It is published online. It looks like some people basically uploaded it, the actual documents, so you can check that out. So this also goes into other items, not just Ouija boards, but dowsing rods, pendulums, things like that can be using the same theory, right? So have you ever heard of when a pregnant woman takes a pendulum and moves it, you know, if it swings around in a certain fashion, it's a boy. If it goes to, I don't know, the left, it's a girl. I don't remember. Don't quote me on that. A lot of people think that those, that that's really your body saying what you're having. And honestly, what if it is your subconscious somehow knowing? Isn't that weird? That would be weird. I'd never heard of that before. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty common. There's a lot of different things that you can do. And it's all like old wives tales. Like you could do that if, uh, I don't know, if you have a lot of heartburn, it's a boy. Or if you're, you know, there's so many different random things. But that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that kind of stuff. Like, is it sitting high? Is it sitting low? Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people take like a crystal on a string and then see what it does. So there was an experiment that I thought was super interesting that they even, you know, thought to make this experiment. And I guess there is others in the works with these ideas still. So there is an experiment conducted by Dr. Sidney Fells, and he was a professor of electrical and computer engineering, along with a couple other professors. And he got the idea because he he hosted a Halloween party. It was a fortune-telling theme. And he was trying to explain to several foreign students about how the board is said to work. And instead of saying what he actually thought, he gave, you know, the mystical explanation. And then the the party goers were telling him about how it was moving on its own. What this made me think of was in our Black Forest episode when we were talking about how government researchers would like bring LSD to parties and would dose people. It's just another example of a researcher like... yeah. Kind of like low-key testing his friends or like acquaintances because these are grad students. Like definitely a little bit more ethical here, but it's kind of like be careful if you're going to party with a researcher. Right? It's kind of like what I'm hearing (laughs) because they're watching. You know what? Yeah. I think that's a fair thing to say because they're probably looking at you for their next experiment. (laughs) A whole new set of social anxiety (laughs) for me to have. Don't go partying with researchers and you should be fine. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. So he decided he was going to do an experiment, right? So he took these people in a room with the board, with the Ouija board, and he told the person, hey, there's another person in another room, and we're going to be doing this like through teleconferencing. And you're going to sit here with this robot, and this robot is going to mimic what the other person is doing with the board. So it seems like you're playing alone, but you're playing with this robot who's actually a different person in another room, right? What they didn't know is the robot was actually there to amplify their own motions. There was no other person, you know, teleconferencing in the other room. It was just them alone. So participants were asked a series of yes or no questions. Things like, is this the capital of whatever? Or did this event take place in this city? And they were expected to, you know, answer yes or no. They did this in two different ways. They asked them it verbally, and then they asked them it on the board, ask them to show their answer on the actual Ouija board. When the participants answered, they were only correct about 50% of the time when they answered verbally. However, they were correct up to 65% of the time when they answered with the board. So that almost seems like their subconscious was smarter. Like it like knew more. Almost how, just kind of how Lehman had suggested that perhaps people were like tapping into their collective unconsciousness. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it, it was kind of proven, right? I mean, it wasn't like a vast difference, you know, 50 to 65% of the time, but that's still a big difference, right? Yeah, that does feel like a big difference. And for the most part, I feel like when people are talking about Ouija boards and they're talking about like the science behind them, 
the IDM motor effect is what everybody says. Like, this is what a Ouija board is. The case has been closed. I think for a lot of articles that I saw when we were researching, like I kept seeing it over and over again. And while I agree that this particular instance, that might be the case, I am still a believer in a Ouija board. This doesn't, this doesn't debunk it for me. This is just like this one situation. Like, sure, like perhaps this happened here, but there's times when the facts aren't known to the person and they're so personal, right? That you couldn't have known them. You know what I mean? You couldn't have known it unless you already knew. And that would be the kind of collective unconsciousness part. But the for the idea motor effect, I'm like, I don't know. I'm skeptical of it. I'm like in both kind of in both ballparks, you know, kind of like with the ghost hunting, right? I don't think that every time someone says it's working, is it working? No. And I do think that part, you know, our brain, we don't know everything about how our brain works yet, right? There's still a lot of studies and a lot of things being conducted of is the brain capable of doing more than we think, right? Yeah. So I kind of wonder sometimes, does your brain remember more than you think you remember? If that makes any sense, it sounds kind of silly. But I'm wondering when they were asking, I think one of the questions they asked was like, did the Olympics take place in this city? And if you asked me that, I'd be like, mm, sure, like, I don't know. But maybe because it was on the news so much or on, you know, yeah. on TV so much, maybe my subconscious knows when it was. I don't know. So it's kind of fun to think of it that way. Do I think that it could probably be interfered with? I do. Only because I think ghosts and spirits can interfere with other objects. So yeah. why can't it be this? Yeah. So I'm, I have my foot in both, both uh, places here. <laughs> No, that makes sense. And I think that like when you're talking about world facts and basically where you're playing trivial pursuit with a person, I think for sure you would get these results. But also, and maybe this is just a little bit of me kind of not liking this research method. I don't think this is a good research method for it. I think that this doesn't prove that people aren't speaking to something else when they're talking to a Ouija board, I think that what it proves is sometimes people will ask Ouija board, like the Ouija board questions that they already know the answer mm -hmm. to. It's true. It's true. And then they'll hear like it back. But also I think that there's sometimes when they're like, hey, tell me something that I wouldn't have known. And then they find out something that they they didn't know and they couldn't have known. So he continued and did another follow-up experiment. But instead of a robot, he actually brought in an additional human, right? But the participants were blindfolded. So what the, the person did that was sitting with the participant is they were obviously in on the experiment. They put their hand on the planchette, but then quietly moved it off, right? So the participants remarked on how the other person was moving it around so much, yet they were the only ones with their hands on the planchette. And they were very much convinced that someone else was moving it. And the results were pretty similar. Like it almost replicated the robot results where 50% of the time verbally, they got the answers right, whereas 65% of the time they were right on the board. So now they're looking at Ouija boards to help answer additional questions like, is the non-conscious mind, does it learn faster, you know? Or are there more than two systems of information processing at the same time? Which system is more impacted by neurodegenerative diseases? And if it does impact a system earlier, which system does it impact earlier? Can it be seen through some of these experiments? Which, like, think about it. If it is, I don't know, um, dementia and, and those sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would also be very interested in how patients with dementia played a Ouija board. Right, right. It's it's weird, but I kind of love it. Like, what would that look like? Like, what kind of facts would they be able to give you about their own life? So they're looking at doing additional experiments with this, but what they're waiting for is more funding for it. Somebody who does research, do it. Right. And especially when you're like, we're going to play with Ouija boards. Please fund us. They're, they're going to go, hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard that's a hard thing to get. Yeah, but I thought it was really interesting. And it's it's kind of cool to think like, yeah, you might know more than you think you know, and there might be a way to even determine how much you actually know or remember in certain cases, right? Huh. That face. You look like intrigued but scared. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm like, yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm scared. I. The human mind is fascinating and vast. And I think that one of the biggest kind of hubris we have as humans is like acting as though we fully understand it. Like, we don't. <laughs> Maybe it's because I don't have like the thousands of like letters behind my name. 
to show that I know exactly all the stuff about brain science. Exactly. Yeah, that's how I feel about it, too. Yeah. But it feels like kind of like what we know about the ocean, which is like what, like, I think 17% of the ocean has been explored, which haunts me at night, by the way, literally haunts me. Are you scared of the weird ocean monsters? I'm not scared of the weird ocean monsters. I'm just like at a general confusion on why we're exploring outside of our planet if we haven't even explored our planet. It's hard. It's hard to explore our planet. That's why. That blows my mind. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sure. It feels like space is pretty difficult, though, too. That feels difficult. It does. But I I think people get more excited for super unknown versus I've seen the ocean. Yeah. Even though you don't know what you're actually looking at realistically, right? But that's a whole different ballpark. (laughs) I said I wasn't scared, but like Loki, I'm a little bit afraid of like what's in that unexplored 83%. Are there Krakens? Are there mermaids? Does Nessie exist? I want all of these things. I hope so. Before Ouija, talking boards exist. And there's been different versions and different similar types of communication methods with what people think is the other side. Stemming back to 540 BC, philosopher Pythagoras used a board that sounded similar to what a Ouija board is. And it said that in his sect, he and his pupil would interpret the signs in the board that were highlighted by a table on wheels, sounding familiar, Mm -hmm. and that the messages were considered revelations from the unseen world. And I just... I love like the theory, like I love the phrasing of that because that's mostly what a Ouija board, like what it's saying is. But most people are like, I heard from a ghost, not I received revelations from the unseen world. Like, I just like the vibe of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds a little more exciting. Yeah. Uh, also, in 551 to 479 BC in China, they use Ouija-like instruments But there, they thought of them as dangerous. They weren't really used as often. By the 3rd century AD in Rome, there were three people who were using a Ouija board to find the name of the successor to the throne. They then said that the board had said it was a soldier named Theodosius. And when they did that, the three people who used the Ouija board, like Talking Board and Theo, were were executed. It didn't work. It didn't work. And also just like... You don't tell the person on the throne who's going to take the throne, bro. Come on now. That's true. That's true. Theo was just like living his life. Okay. So by the 13th century in Tartary, the Mongols were using a Ouija-like device. And in North America, early traces were found from the Native Americans. They used a board to find lost people and items. And on the board, there were symbols instead of the alphabet. So what I'm hearing is that if you did get one, when you say that things are disappearing from your home occasionally, you could just simply ask where they put it. I ask verbally and then Marge just puts it away. I just look where it, where it like should go and then it's there. I still just love that your ghost's name is Marge. Her name is technically Margaret, but I call her Marge because I feel like we're, I don't know, I live in her house. I think that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Spiritualism gained popularity in America in the 1850s. As we discussed, Mary Todd Lincoln would hold seances in the White House. I still love that. I just love the thought of her. (laughs) Yeah, I love the thought of it. I love the vibe of it. I love like the idea of a ladies tea with a Ouija board in the center. Mm -hmm. Finger sandwiches and talking to ghosts. The vibes immaculate. I know it was for a sad reason that she started it, but also it's just, I don't know. I want the White House to be like that again, where there's like seances and weird stuff. Honestly, what I want the White House to be is just not what it is. I I will settle for that. Oh, yeah. I'm real nervous. (laughs) We're recording this the night before the election. I'm real nervous. And like, let's just like manifest for a moment. We can record this. We can take this out if we want to. Joe Biden's going to be president. Kamala Harris will be the vice president. Yay. We're going to be done with Donald Trump. We'll start seeing some results in less than 24 hours. And I think that's why I'm so like eager today. Doesn't that like sound like a real thing that could happen? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just need like today to be done. We're purposely not recording on election night because we both knew that we like couldn't be mentally present for this when that was happening. What were you doing in 2016 during like like that night? Oh, I was in our living room 
just staring with like my mouth open at the screen. Like, this isn't real. Yeah. I had a glass of white wine and I was like sitting on my couch watching the television, preparing myself for just like the jubilant feeling of our first woman president. And it slowly turned from one glass to a bottle to me dipping Girl Scout cookies, then mint's baby in alcoholic mint chocolate chip ice cream while also <laughs> drinking wine, being like, this isn't happening. This isn't happening. So I took us off track. That's fine. It was important. What's new? <laughs> it's me. It's what I do. So we've discussed this a bit. But yeah, the Civil War had heightened the popularity of spiritualism because everyone wanted to communicate with those that they had lost. Remember how many people died, how many people were simply lost. They didn't know whether they were alive or dead. So makes total sense. So in America back then, too, people were just primarily communicating through knocks and taps for letters. But it was very time intensive. So it's like, there's a, there's an episode, I think, of Criminal Minds where he can't talk. And they're like, they made like a board. And they're like, tell me when to stop blink. <laughs> and it took forever. And you're like, why is this scene so long? That's what comes to mind. It also reminds me of Stranger Things with the Christmas lights. Yes. And Stranger Things with the, the lights. Yeah. So there's another way of making it. Mm -hmm. That was probably a quicker version. Yes, it was. Yeah, very much quick. So if you need to speak to someone on what the upside down, go yeah, ahead and lights. put some lights up. Mm -hmm. I hope you don't have to, though. That sounds grim. Yeah. <laughs> so in 1886, the Associated Press, a young publication, then they ran a story on talking boards. And as we've discussed, they're the predecessors to the Ouija board. But they were talking about that they were using talking boards specifically in a spiritualist camp in Ohio. So some think that that was like the closest spark that started like the Ouija board itself to be like patented and like sold by a novelty company. I'm still amazed that it's marketed to children. Can you think of any children that's like, I want the Ouija board? Me. I mean, yeah. I was that kid. Your kid is going to do that. Oh, yeah. He's real weird. Guess who's going to send it to him? This gal. Also, in case you were wondering from our last episode, Amanda absolutely did get a gallon of molasses. <laughs> I did. I did. I got a gallon of molasses yesterday and I wasn't expecting it. And now it's probably going to be like I'm going to wake up and my my couch is going to be painted with it somehow. I just know it. That's a true nightmare. That's a true creeps like that would. That's just the episode that week. we just take a picture of your couch. <laughs> No episode this week. Just stare at this picture for an hour. And just, it's just like, we needed a, I say we, you need a mental health day because of what happened with the molasses. And it's a whole gallon. It's a gallon of molasses. I'm sorry, but I'm also not sorry. You can make soft molasses cookies. And that's it forever. With no raisins. With no raisins. <laughs> yes. Forever. That's all you make ever again. Also, uh, in case you did like our raisin discussion from last time, my husband made a raisin grilled cheese. Why ruin a good thing? And we sent it to Amanda for her viewing pleasure, and she's highly offended. My husband said they were, quote, plump from the heat. No one should eat it. I don't know. I didn't eat it. He did. <laughs> Anywho, Ouija boards, what you're here for, what we're here for. A lot of what we know about Ouija boards is because of like the passionate research of Robert Murch. And we'll talk about the organization he founded later in the episode. But I wanted to just mention him because he's played such an important role in the history of talking boards and Ouija boards. So in February of 1891, the first advertisements for Ouija boards began to appear in the Pittsburgh Dispatch. Mm -hmm. We'll include that on our Instax. I thought that was kind of cute. Just look the way it looked. And just the idea of like a newspaper ad for talk to ghosts. Love that vibe. And the board was basically sold as it is now. It was a flat board, A to Z, goodbye, comes with a planchette. So Charles Kennard from Baltimore formed a group of investors that included Elijah Bond and Colonel Washington Bowie to form the Kennard Novelty Company. And its sole purpose was the creation of talking boards. I've seen two different versions of what Ouija means. The first is that it's a mixture of we, which is French for yes, and ja, which is German for yes. Meh, don't love this. 
Another theory is that Elijah Bond, one of the investors, his sister-in-law, Helen Peters, was considered to be a strong medium. And they were all sitting around the board and they asked the board what it should be called. And the name Ouija came through. They asked what the board meant and they said that it meant good luck. Yeah. And some people thought that it was an Egyptian word for good luck. And some even called it an Egyptian luck board. Hmm. I also saw that uh, Helen Peters at the time, she was wearing a locket that had a, uh, a picture of a feminist author at the time. Name, her name was Ouida, and it was spelled O-U-I-D-A. And she thought that the board may have been thinking of her necklace and misinterpreted it. So Elijah Bond knew that they wouldn't be able to get the patent if they couldn't prove that the board worked. And just generally, like if you don't know a lot about patents, you generally do have to prove that your invention will work. Like you can't just be like, I'm gonna like a like a stick that will make magic happen. Like you can't patent that if you don't, if it doesn't actually work. So Helen Peters came along with Bond to the patent office, and the chief patent officer said that if the board could tell him his name, then they would get their patent. He obviously didn't think that they knew his name. It's unclear whether maybe Elijah Bond did know beforehand and told Peters, but the board spelled out the chief patent officer's name. And the patent officer turned quite white-faced and visibly shaken. And they got their patent on February 10th of 1891. In 1892, so the board, like from everything that I saw, it was a hit. And so in the early 1800s, they were selling 2,000 boards per week. And in 1892, they had one Baltimore factory. And then by 1983, they also had two factories in Baltimore two in New York City and one in London. By 1893, Kennard and Bond were out after there was, from what it seemed like, was a hostile takeover of the company. Then William Fold, who had started as an employee and a stockholder, was running the company. A lot of people call him the father of Ouija, too, which I think is a little interesting considering he didn't start or invent the board. I feel like it's, it's, it's not fair to call him that, but he does have some pretty intense ties to the Ouija board. Oh, for sure. Like he's earned it. But how pissed would you be if you were the person who had to like march this board into the patent office and people were like, you're its uncle or whatever, like second cousin of the Ouija board, not its father. I don't know. I would be bitter. Some say he met his demise because of the Ouija board. Yeah. Yeah. By 1898, with the support of the only remaining investor and the majority shareholder, Bowie, Fold licensed the exclusive rights to make the board. In the following year, some of the men who had been working on the Ouija board in the beginning began arguing over who invented the board in the Baltimore Sun. I believe that Elijah Bond even made his own talking board, but it didn't have much success. Yeah, it never took off. Yeah. And there were various copycat boards that were made, but they all failed. So in the 1900s, the board's popularity continued to grow. In 1919, Bowie sold his remaining interests in Ouija to fold for $1. As we mentioned, he's considered the father of Ouija. So one of the factories that Fold built, he built because the Ouija board told him to do it when he was having a session. And it was on that the roof of that same building where he fell to his what would eventually kill him. When he was on his deathbed, he made his children promise him that they would not continue to make the Ouija board. They didn't fulfill that promise. <laughs> rude like i feel like if they were playing with a ouija board he would have been like Ahem. excuse me this looks like a ouija board that was made after i died right i think it just yeah it scared him a lot obviously as he's dying and on his deathbed and yeah he asked his kids to please do not continue making these boards and what they did is they continued they took over and then they sold it <laughs> disrespectful but i mean put yourself in their place too i think one of them had some um health issues come up yeah it was money but it is very very sad that that is how he met his demise though i feel like to keep up with production and stuff of course he was going to build another factory and it was just an unfortunate accident yeah but there's a lot of people that believe that you know yeah. it kind of like drew him to his death as the ouija board continued in popularity in 1920, National Wire Services reported that would-be crime solvers were turning to their Ouija boards to help look for clues in the mysterious murder 
of Joseph Burton Elwell, who was a New York City gambler. And it was very, very frustrating to police, as (laughs) it should be. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And this would continue, honestly. There were other reports, too, where at one point a jury consulted a Ouija board. As you do. Yeah, before uh, giving their thoughts. And that person, I want to say, was retried, but still found, I think, guilty. Yeah. But they were retried because the jury used a Ouija board. So it did. It it comes up a lot. In 1921, the New York Times reported that a Chicago woman, woman being sent to a psychiatric hospital tried to explain to doctors that she wasn't suffering from mania. But the Ouija spirits told her to leave her mother's dead body in the living room for 15 days before burying her in the backyard. Oh. Oh. She was told to do it. So obviously she's fine. So when when you're thinking of this, though, like she was told to leave her in the living room for 15 days before burying her in the backyard, right? Think of her with this Ouija board. Is she like, how many days do I leave the body? And, you know, one five, that's easy. Where do I leave it? L-I-V-I-N-G. Like, how long was she just sitting there trying to get these answers? Also, but like on a side note, like flipping that, can you imagine your mom dies and you're just kind of like stuck? So you like pull your Ouija board out to like try to like get some answers and you're just like, and that's where you go for like help to go to talk. Like that's where you feel comfortable asking for help. That also kind of breaks my heart. That somebody that like she didn't have somebody else who was like living who she could go talk to and be like, what do I do? Which is like you, you call the police. I believe actually, I don't know what you do if someone died. I don't, I don't know if she died of natural causes or not, but like if she died of natural causes, like I think with sister today, we found you can just call a funeral home and they'll come pick you up. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe like she could have done that. Still very, very weird. And We'll go into more stories, and I hate saying that over and over again, but just the amount of time that people were spending on their Ouija boards, like, I think of it like our phones now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a good, I think that's a good way to liken it. Yeah, yeah. So in 1930, in the newspaper, there were two women in Buffalo, New York, who'd murdered another woman, and I guess their Ouija board told them to. So they were just following messages from their Ouija board to murder this other woman. In 1941, a 23-year-old gas station attendant from New Jersey told the New York Times that he joined the army because the Ouija board told him to do so. And it's honestly not very different from some of the things that people ask psychics today. Like, there's many people that go, hey, am I supposed to do this? And it's just them, like, you know, being uncertain what they want to do in their future or whatever. And it's just like that second opinion. And honestly, let's say these people, let's say it wasn't spirit interference it's what they realistically wanted to do and it was just they needed that push to carry out this army career or killing their friend i don't know it seems really weird but it was just kind of like another another thing telling them to do what they were already thinking in my opinion yeah i agree so the sales of the ouija board also spiked during times of crisis so for example in world war one people were trying to communicate with soldiers on the front lines So they were trying to see if their loved one was still alive or dead. So if they came through the board, they had passed. Also, the sales spiked with the Great Depression and World War II. So same reasons, I'd I'd suspect. In 1960, interest spiked again when people started getting into the paranormal. At one point, too, I want to say that in, in some of the early years, it even outsold Monopoly. Yeah, I wouldn't think that was during the Great Depression, which would make sense that people weren't like, yay, capitalism during the Great Depression. In 1966, William Andrew Fold, which was William Fold's son, sold the business to Parker Brothers on the 39th anniversary of his father's death. So it's it's kind of sad that it was on the anniversary after his father's like, do not sell this. And he's like, I'm going to sell it to Parker Brothers. <laughs> At least wait a day, buddy. Like, yeah, I mean, like, you could do it, like, yeah. any yeah. other day. There's 364 other days. More sometimes. Who knows? Maybe the paperwork just went through that day. I, I don't know what um what sales of games looked like back then. 
for now. Or now. I mean, I, I figure it's business deal. I mean, I can picture a business deal now, I think. Kind of, sort of. All right, I've watched Shark Tank, okay? <laughs> hey, sharks, have I got a deal for you. Do you want to talk to ghosts? Well, here's what you do. You take this piece of plastic and you rub it along this other thing and you hope that the person who you're with isn't a liar. Are you ready to take a swim? <laughs> Nothing to do with anything. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Moving on. Just say it. <laughs> okay. So up until now, it seems still pretty wholesome, right? People just communicating with loved ones, people they missed. It was, uh, you know, marketed to any household. Totally fine. Well, that all changed in 1973. And the reason is The Exorcist came out. Yay! So it very much scared people. And especially because it might have been based on a true story. And in the movie, I don't know, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I do remember Reagan played with a Ouija board. There's like the scene, I want to say it's like in their basement where the mom comes in and she's like, what's this? So <laughs> they they kind of play with it for a second. Um but Reagan does start out playing with a Ouija board and people are thinking, okay, that that's where it all started, right? That's where the Ouija board let the, the demonic spirit come and it attacked this little girl. Oh my gosh, that can happen to me. I think the demon who she was talking to, by the way, was also named like Captain Howdy. Yes, Captain Howdy, which sounds... Which I found, it's just weird. Well, of course they're not going to go, I am, you know, this demonic horrible, weird sounding name, it's going to be like, hey, I'm a kid's character. Talk to me. That's somehow so much more terrifying to me. Well, we talked about, yeah, demons normally come, at least what we read, you know, what I was able to find in in like children or, you know, young females, because they're less scary. But if they're like, I can't think of a demon name off the top of my head. Alistair. Yeah. Then they're going to be like, OK, bye. But if I'm Captain Howdy, <laughs> let's be friends. OK, you know. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> like, could you imagine, like, they start the movie and then she's, like, moving the planchette and it's like, Alistair. And then she just goes, okay, bye. And that's just the end. It's a short. It's, like, because she stopped. She stopped playing. She got a bad vibe. She was like, ah, I'm out. That could be, like, a PSA for Ouija boards back then. Oh, my God. I think next year we should do a PSA for Ouija board. <laughs> With all of your Ouija board paraphernalia. Yeah. Around Halloween. Uh, yeah. So before the movie came out, film and TV made it sound, again, like wholesome or even silly. Like it was even on I Love Lucy at one point where Lucy and Ethel have a seance. So it went from that to Reagan. I love it. <laughs> I haven't seen that episode of I Love Lucy, but I now, I now need to. Right? I... I like, I think I remember parts of it, but when I was researching, it had some stills that I saw. So, so after that, almost overnight, Ouija boards became the tool of the devil and horror writers and movie makers and all of that went wild with it. It was also denounced in religious groups as Satan's preferred method of communication. Oh, how would they know that? Who could know? How do they know a lot of things, Lindsay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that isn't the first question I have on how they know that, but that's fair. <laughs> okay, well, they're going to they're going to throw me in one of these bonfires. Okay. Also, there were bonfires where people would throw their Ouija boards in it, which wasn't one of the rules not to burn it. I know it's not the official rule, but it was like a a pretty well-known rule not to burn it. Yeah, that's interesting because it feels like the people who were burning them were likely not the people, like the same people who wanted them. So were they just like breaking into people's houses and stealing their Ouija boards? No, I think it was like when when they get mad at a book and they have like a book burn or bonfire, you know, and they're like, give us copies of this because it's evil. Fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> and then I went as far as looking at Catholic.com to see their views on the Ouija board. Go on. The question about it was basically, is it harmless? Is it fun or is it harmless? And they said, it is far from harmless. It is a form of divination, which they are very much against. And then 
towards the end of their explanation about why it's so bad. This was my favorite part of it. So from the Catholic perspective, they've gone as far to say as 90% of the very worst cases involving demonic activity has been linked to the use of a Ouija board. (laughs) I don't think that's wrong. I'm just going to say it there. Like, there are other views, not not so much on that side. But this one, I would say, like, probably. (laughs) It sounds right. Like, (laughs) they end the article with simply put, nothing positive can ever, that's italicized, come from the use of a Ouija board. And God warns us against such things for our own spiritual safety. So they are they they aren't about it. Yeah, they aren't about a lot of things. <laughs> Anyways, in 1991, Parker Brothers became the brand of Hasbro. So that's why you'll see Hasbro Parker Brothers kind of interchangeably in, in certain cases when you're researching a Ouija board. So the Talking Board Society began in 2008, and it was started by Robert Murch. Robert Murch is one of the main historians who was responsible for unearthing the origins of the Ouija board in America. He began researching in 1992 and realized people didn't know as much about where it came from. So per his website, he devoted his life to researching the history of the Ouija board and its founders. I love that passion. Which is super interesting. So he started this little society <laughs> as, yeah, just being someone who really wanted to know the history of the Ouija board. Yeah, Ouija boards are everywhere now. There's even, <laughs> there's one that resides in Ripley's, believe it or not, in Salem, Massachusetts, and it's called Ouijazilla. So it was built and painted by Rick Shrek, who is the vice president and director of the Talking Board Historical Society. It's longer than a brontosaurus, and it weighs more than a six-ton elephant. It's large enough to park five 18-wheelers on, and it is fully operational. I wonder how it would work, because in the photos, they show like three people inside, just like the looking gas portion of the, the looking glass portion of the planchette. So it's massive. So like, is it for giant fingers? I don't know. I think it's just fun. Yeah. But beautiful. <laughs> It's really stunning. In 2010, there was even a boycott movement that involved Toys R Us and Hasbro because of the Ouija board. And when I was looking at certain articles about this boycott, what caught my attention is they made a Ouija board for girls and it was bright pink. (laughs) For our delicate lady hands. Okay, so I'm pulling this up now because we like we're ready on the (laughs) before on this. And it's literally it says mystifying oracle on it and maybe the other one says that too but i just feel like this is just a lo- another product in a long line of things made for women that nobody asks for like ladies pens <laughs> i do love i i can't really zoom in on it because it's like embedded in the article but at the bottom left it looks like it comes with a pretty pink ouija board purse or something oh my god okay so i am i am in google images 10 out of 10 does not disappoint Let's start with the fact that the words are now in like bubble letters and on the bottom left and right side of the board, there's like a woman with sparkly blue hair and goodbye is in what looks like a cheap knockoff version of the font curls with a Z. If you know what I'm talking about, the board itself is a baby pink and it has like light pink flowers in the back as you do. And then the planchette is like a hot, hot pink. Yeah. Is it bad that I kind of want this? I mean... If I was going to have one, this is the one. But it looks like this comes with cards, which I need to know what these cards say. Just give me a moment while I look because I need to know what the questions that they're telling girls to ask these fucking boards are. It also looks like, okay, there was a little purse that came with it. That's where the cards went in. Yeah, yeah. It's like a little laptop looking bag. Yeah, I, I have a picture of it now. Okay, this picture kind of has it on there. So I'm like zooming in intensely. I kind of love it. <gasps> okay, okay. <laughs> the cards say things like, test the Ouija board. My favorite color is blank. Or what talent or personal quality will make me famous someday? This is very weird. Well, and I love, so this is why they attacked Toys R Us. On the front of it, it says only at Toys R Us. Oh, okay. So it was clearly a Toys R Us problem. Yes. And ages eight plus. 
Oh, and they had they had a bunch of different games that were just oh. pink for girls. So they had Scrabble, Uno, Jenga, Life. There's also a Lisa Frank one, which 10 out of 10. Loving the vibes of that. And then in 2015, there was a WeegeeCon in Maryland. And why weren't you present? I didn't know <laughs> about it. I would have went just for like the interestingness of it. What a weird thing to have happen. Would you want to be surrounded by so many? I'm sure like everything was Ouija board. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But like there was also like there's like history and lore and like vendors and typically like creepy vendors have like other good creepy stuff. So I probably would have liked it. I don't know. All right. Next one. Next one. We'll meet up there. <laughs> but it seemed like a cool thing when I was looking at their website. I was like, oh, how did I miss that? Next one. Yes. And then so also in Baltimore, on April 24th, it's Ouija Day, which I did not know. And that's very exciting. How are you going to celebrate next year? I don't know. I was thinking about that. I was like, maybe I'll make like planchette cookies. Oh, that's cute. And nowadays, too, there are so many terrible Ouija movies. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. There's yeah. And I love when they take the planchette and look through it and they can see the ghost through it. I know it's it's really it's a really like silly thing but I love in horror movies when you can't see something with the naked eye but like when you pick up the camera when you pick up this like device you can see the scary thing happening yeah no I think that's a good trope yeah yeah but anyways that's everywhere now now it's all scary people are afraid of it (laughs) yet it is still marketed to children so perfect as you do Okay, so we've gone on about Ouija boards for a very, very long time. So thank you so much for listening. This isn't all the Ouija content we've got for you. Next week, we'll be covering famous Ouija stories, court cases where Ouija boards were involved, and we'll share some listener stories about their experiences with Ouija boards. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram, at True Creeps Pod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod, and on Twitter at True Creeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps. 